Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we celebrate Easter in North Shore Vineyard. It's a great time to be out there. If you missed it, make plans to uh, make it out there next year. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our series on the gospel called What's So Good About the Good News. Today's message for Easter is how God became king. We're going to be looking at how the early church understood the, the incarnation, the cross, and the resurrection of Jesus, and why they proclaimed this is good news, and why they believed that this was the event in which God had truly become king, and where history had turned. So, let's go ahead and head to the talk. Thanks for listening. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Happy Easter. Today we come together to celebrate the most important uh, date on the Christian calendar that that Christians have been observing for some 2,000 years now. Uh, It's the day where we believe that everything changed. Everything changed in the world. And, And we live in a different place. And the way the early church referred to this incarnation of Christ, the crucifixion, and the resurrection, they had a word for it. Anybody heard the word? It's called gospel. You ever heard gospel before? Yeah, gospel is a common word. Whether you grew up in church or not, oftentimes we think of the word gospel like gospel music. Any gospel music fans in here? I love me some gospel music. I got to play at a gospel music festival last weekend. And it was, <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for showing it. Um, no, um, it, was, it was kind of a funny thing. We, we show up. It's a festival, right? Gospel music festival. So we showed up in our Jazz Fest attire. Um, and we had one of those, oh my goodness, moments, uh, to put it n- nicely. The first three bands that played, one was a bluegrass band, one was a black gospel band, and then one was a southern gospel band, and they're in three-piece suits. <laughs> so we got up there, I'm like, I, we came in our Sunday best. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I knew I was in trouble when the Pentecostal pastor introduced us by saying, well, we try to have something for everybody out here. <laughs> <laughs> like hopefully somebody out here will like this and uh like wow <laughs> it's like the first yeah never mind okay but that's gospel music right and then we hear the gospel we hear gospel used as an adjective sometimes like i'm telling you the gospel truth what does that mean they, they're sharing the gospel no they're telling you like the true truth uh, as opposed to something else um But I'm afraid when it comes to the church in America these days, when we think of the word gospel, which which meant good news, what we associate with the gospel in America right now is not good news, it's good advice. Good advice, right? So so when it comes to the gospel, the the gospel is oftentimes uh, 
good advice on how you can get to heaven when you die and, and not go to hell. It's good advice on, on you know, how you can live according to Christian principles and, and have a blessed life. It's good advice for how you can be a Christian. And I think for, for many people, if not most people in the United States that, that at least go to churches that talk about the gospel, that's usually what people mean or, or, or think of. But the early church would not have conceived of the gospel in those terms at all. The gospel was good news, not good advice. So I want to talk about the good news today, okay? What's so good about the good news? Why, why do we, 2,000 years later, why do we think that there was something amazing that happened during Holy Week? I mean, why do we do this every year? Well, I'm going to tell you. First off, though, let's talk about the term news, okay? If we're going to understand good news, let's talk about news because I'm afraid we're living in a world where we don't even understand news anymore. How many of y'all are on uh, Facebook and Twitter, right? Okay, wow, this church is like, okay. <laughs> How many of y'all just stalk people on Facebook? You got, okay. <laughs> I love social media. But I'd say probably 80 to 90% of what shows up on my Twitter feed and my Facebook feed does not classify as newsworthy, right? It's like my, my boy, he just dated a shrimp po' boy, and he, he's like, this is so good, he had to take a picture of it, put it on there. And, and look, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger. I'm the worst about those things, too. I just want, I want to share the joy with you. This was great. Golden shrimp. Uh, on Twitter, especially like after certain music, you know, awards things, um, you, you'll get a story about Kanye West has said something stupid <laughs> again. <laughs> Not really news, huh? Uh, Kim Kardashian, did you see what she was wearing this week? Or not wearing? <laughs> Not really news, again. It's a distraction. It's something you just do when you... Or trying to waste time. But when we think of news, a news event has to happen in a particular context, a particular story. If a, if a news event happens, you know, it's like the tree falling in the forest, if, you know, that thing. I forget how it's said. But a news event happens in a certain context. It has a certain meaning, a certain set of circumstances. And when that event happens... It has ramifications, implications moving from that moment forward, right? So if tomorrow um, you wake up to the headlines that, that says the, the stock markets in Europe and Japan have all uh, collapsed, that'd be big news, right? Okay. For those, for, it'd be big news for you who use money and stuff. Um, <laughs> Yeah, those of you who buy things and work, crazy American dream stuff, um, that'd be big news. If you, in, in, in 2016, there's, there's going to be an election for the president. And on the morning after the election, you're going to find out that either a Bush or a Clinton won, right? <laughs> And, and it's going to be news, right? It's going to affect things. When, when, well, maybe it'll affect, who knows? Um, I'm not trying to make a political statement here. 
But but the point is that, that a news event, something that is a, a life-changing event, it affects things. And, and when this event happens, things change. People order their lives around this new reality. As Skip said a few weeks ago, it's a new paradigm that we live under. The world is a different place now. So that's, that's what makes something news. But what makes something good news? I want to give you a couple of headlines. Uh, these are some, I mean, they, uh, they weren't actually headlines in newspapers. Some of them were. But these are a couple of good news headlines. couple who's been trying to get pregnant for 10 years finally has a baby. It's good news, right? Guy who's been out of work for a year and a half lands a new job. It's good news, right? The Saints won the Super Bowl. It's good news. <laughs> Scientists have discovered a cure for Alzheimer's disease. That's actually, I I read that last week. They've actually discovered a cure. Now, they've got to test it on humans at this point, but, I mean, I don't know how they figure out that mice have lost memories. (laughs) That was the only part that was a little sketchy for me. But... They found a cure for Alzheimer's. And if you've had, I've had loved ones who, who've had Alzheimer's. If you've known anybody who's gone through that, it's a horrible disease. So if the, the news that they're going to begin human testing in 2017, like that's big news. Because this possibly could turn that disease around in somebody that's got it. That couple that, that had a baby after, been, after they've been trying for 10 years. It's a, some friends of ours on the South Shore. And, oh, it was just a roller coaster. It was so, such a hard thing to watch them through this process because they wanted a baby so bad. And they finally got pregnant. But a few months after, had a miscarriage. And it was like, oh, it was the worst because they were so excited. But then a year later, year and a half, two years later, the wife is pregnant again. Now, this time, it was so iffy that they, they weren't telling many people. But every month that passed, the hope was starting to grow within them till, till, till finally they, they're getting to the last two months, and they're like, this, this could really happen. See, the thing is, with all these different kinds of newses, <laughs> news, um, they, they, they bring hope, don't they? And that hope is not just based on a, man, I hope so. I hope it'll work out. It's actually hope that's based on an actual event, right? Remember when the Saints won the Super Bowl? Oh, my goodness. When I first moved to Louisiana, it was during the Aints, that period. How many of y'all wore wore, uh, bags over your heads? And, 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 like, the saints, it's like, just listen to the radio. People are just dogging on them all the time. They'd be lucky to just have a winning season. But, boy, in 2009, we were planting this church when the saints were going. And, and we actually had to cancel church a couple of times for playoff games because we were on Saturday nights. And we felt like that's what the Lord would want. <laughs> And so we're, we're starting this church during that playoff run in 2009. And remember, like, 
And he just kept winning and kept winning and kept winning. And then they won. And when they won, that changed everything, didn't it? I mean, really. It was the, it, it was the age of miracles and wonders. The saints won the Super Bowl. It was like anything is possible. I love listening to WWL at the beginning of the NFL seasons, post, you know, Sean Payton and Drew Brees and the Super Bowl. Now it's like at the beginning of the season, we're like, yeah, I think we can make it to the Super Bowl this year. Like, like they're talking about getting to the Super Bowl. Like, like we just assume we're going to the playoffs every year now. It's like, oh, yeah, that's, we'll be at the playoffs. But I'm thinking, like, that, that's not the way it used to be. It used to be like, I hope we can at least win half the games. Usually your hope was that, that at the end of the year, like, oh, well, we can draft some good players because we had such a lousy season. <laughs> but, but news changes things. It changes your context. That couple that ended up having that baby, they, it changed their world. Their, their guest room in the house, all of a sudden, it, it, it's, it's all pastel colors now. It's got a crib in it. Now they become that obnoxious couple that, that used to post pictures of po'boys and stuff, and now it's just all baby pictures. Y'all know who I'm talking about. People like that, right? And, and, but, but the news has changed their life. It's good news because it brought hope into their situation. And it was a real event. And they had to reorganize all their reality around that. This is what the gospel means. It's good news. Not about some abstract hope, but a hope that is based on an actual event. Not just an event, a person. Now... I want to tell you something about this word gospel because in, in the Greco-Roman world, gospel actually meant something, a very particular thing that it doesn't mean to us nowadays. And so to tell this, to, to, to give you the meaning of gospel, I want to tell you how it was used in the, in the Roman world leading up to Jesus' time. So a little Roman history. Who wants to hear some Roman history? All right. That was pretty weak. Um, <laughs> 44 B.C., Julius Caesar was assassinated by Brutus and Cassius. And following his assassination, his adopted son, Octavian, teamed up with his friend, Mark Antony, and they hunted down the assassins and killed them. Then there was this vacuum of power. And so Mark Antony and Octavian, who had been friends, now become rivals. And Rome descends into civil war that would last for uh, over 13 years. So it was just a time where this, it looked like this whole massive empire could just come crashing down as these two guys fought for the throne. Now, Mark Antony, he was older, he was wiser, he understood politics, he understood government, he understood war. But Octavian, the younger uh, adopted son of Julius Caesar, he was determined, I'm not going down without a fight. And so they fought, they duked it out all over the empire. Now, Octavian had, had drummed up support all over the Mediterranean world, kind of in the Holy Land, had all kinds of people backing him. But on September 2nd, 31 B.C., off the coast of Actium in Greece, the crucial battle was won by Octavian. It was the decisive battle in that war. Uh, things were over from that point on. Now, if you'd been living in, in the city of Rome at that time, um, this is what would have happened. Shortly after that battle at sea, heralds would run into the city and they would announce the gospel. And what was the gospel according to Rome? Octavian has won. Octavian has become king. 
He's defeated his enemies. They're vanquished. So, so gospel, when, you know, many years later when the apostle Paul is writing, he could have used any word to, to tell about what Jesus has done, but he, he decides to use the word gospel. Jesus has defeated his enemies. He's been vindicated. He is now king of the world. That's good news, people. Now, here's the deal. If you were living in, in Rome, um, it'd be another two years before Octavian, who would later become known as Augustus, would actually show up tri- triumphally, you know, do his triumphal entry into Rome. Because Octavian, even after winning that decisive battle, he had to go around the empire and consolidate things. And so, if you were a supporter of Octavian you would start living in the reality that he's king even though he hasn't actually uh, moved into Rome yet, uh, the city of Rome. You would start living as a Roman citizen under his lordship and under his reality. You'd be celebrating that right where you were because your God won. And that was good news. Now here's the deal. Good news for the people who supported Octavian was not so much good news for the people who opposed him, right? There's a guy named Herod the Great, uh, who was the the king of the Holy Land under the emperor. And Herod had actually thrown his lot in with Mark Antony. And so what did Herod do with this new piece of information? There's a new king on the throne, and it's not the guy that I backed. Well, Herod, being an astute politician, goes to Octavian. He says, look, don't look at the fact that I supported your enemy. Look at how loyal I was to him. And know that I'm going to be that loyal to you. That's pretty smooth. <laughs> it's, and Octavian took him. And, and let him, let him stay uh, the king. So Roman good news was the announcement that there's a new king. The announcement that this king has defeated his foes. And that he reigns. And so when the early church starts referring to the life of Jesus, they use this term gospel. It's not just good news. It's good news about how our God has become king. It's good news that we are now living in a decidedly different reality. But the thing is, just like just like the Roman citizens between that decisive battle and the return of their king to Rome, we live in the in-between times ourselves, don't we? We live between the decisive battle that Jesus won on the cross and his second coming, his triumphal entry back into our world. Now, what does this mean for us? Well, it's not advice, but here's the deal. When news happens... It's usually you're going to be respond, right? What, how much sense would it have made? You remember where you were when you watched the Saints win the Super Bowl? I remember where I was. I was down in Lakeview watching the Super Bowl at some friend's house that had, had just, they totally lost their house in Katrina and rebuilt it. It was just a wonderful place to watch the Saints win. Um, but how appropriate would it have been after the Saints won the Super Bowl to just be standing outside with the car horns honking and the fireworks and the revelers and all that to just go, eh. 
Like, I don't know anybody in their right mind who was living in the New Orleans area who was just like, yeah, whatever. I mean, even people who didn't like football, who never watched. Like, it was big news. When news happens, when an event happens that changes the world, we can't just go on and remain indifferent. We respond to that good news. For us as Christians, we respond by following Jesus, by living out his kingdom reality in the here and now. So the gospel is a proclamation that Jesus is king, that he has faced sin and death, and he's been vindicated by God. You know, when we read the book of Revelation, we went through the book of Revelation a, a couple months ago, but there's this, this passage we've referred to on a, on very, uh, a few occasions in, in Revelation chapter 5 where God's plan is in a scroll and there's this worship service going on in heaven. And somebody looks at this, this scroll and, 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 and God says, who is worthy to open this scroll? This is God's plans of, for redemption. And it said nobody was found in heaven or on the earth that could open up this scroll. God's plan wasn't going to go forward. And John, the guy who's having this vision, he starts to weep bitterly because nobody was found worthy. And then one guy says, no. Check it out. The lion of the tribe of Judah has overcome. He can open up the seals. And John turns to look at this lion, this vicious lion that has overcome. And what does he see? He sees a little lamb slaughtered. And at the revelation of Jesus on the cross, the revelation of Jesus as the lamb slain, it says at that point that worship breaks out in heaven and it spills over from heaven to earth and it encompasses every created thing shouting worthy is the lamb that was slain and this is why jesus was resurrected sunday morning because he was worthy we have always known that god is powerful but now we know that that God is completely beyond what we could have ever expected. Who would have thought that God would actually step into our world and become one of us and face everything that we face? Not as Superman, but as one of us. Even death on a cross. Jesus was completely faithful to what his father was doing. And because of that, he was vindicated Sunday morning, Easter morning. There's a lot of would-be messiahs that came before Jesus and a lot of would-be messiahs that came after him. You know, the, the, the Jewish people were actually expecting, you know, a messiah that was going to, you know, fight a battle against the Romans. Instead, they got this, this Jesus riding into town on a donkey. <laughs> not a war horse, not with weapons. Riding on a donkey, a baby donkey to be, the, you know, a foal. But Jesus was perfectly faithful to the plans of the Father. And unlike all these other messiahs, would-be messiahs that came, none of them were raised from the dead. But on Sunday morning, Jesus was raised from the dead. He was vindicated by God. And Jesus makes a spectacle of the gods of this world. He shows the gods of this world, uh, shows humanity what the gods of this world are. They're, they're a sham that they're the idols of men's hands, that they got no power. Jesus is the one with the true power. He's risen from the dead. He's conquered the grave. 
And that's good news. See, when we look at the gospel, we see things about God that we didn't know before. See, I think all humanity, if you go to parts of the world, I've been, I was in India a few years ago. India is a very polytheistic country. They've got gods, I mean, 33 million gods or something like that. They've got gods for everything. And if you want to, to succeed in life, you've got to make offerings to these gods to get them on your side because that's what gods want. And if you look in the pagan religions all over the world, the, the thing that humans automatically assume about gods is they demand sacrifices so you can appease them, so you can get them on their side. But Jesus shows us something else. God ain't like that. God is willing to step into our world, meet us right where we're at, offer us a grace that we never asked for, a forgiveness that, that we didn't deserve. He's made friends with sinners. He's loved his enemies. He's blessed those who cursed him, even with his dying breath on the cross. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. Release them from this. Jesus shows us that the power of love is stronger than anything else in the universe. And that's good news. Good news is we don't get a God that we would have thought of. <laughs> good news is God's not, not like the ones that we've made. He's so much better. He's so much further beyond. He's, 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 he's mo' better. So how do we respond to this good news? I want to read two passages today. They're on the front of your bulletin. Hebrews 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you see the gospel in this? The writer of Hebrews, he's sharing the gospel. And he says, look, in light of everything that Jesus did, don't grow weary, don't give up. Keep on going. Think about Jesus. He tells the gospel right here. The good news. Remember the good news. Don't get dragged aside by the narratives of this world, our politics and our economy and Fox News and CNN. Don't get caught up in that. Remember the good news. Not the cable news. <laughs> Philippians 2. The Apostle Paul writes this. This is my favorite verse. We do it all the time here. We're going to do it again. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of self and selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, 
in humility value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of the others. So he's telling these people, I want you to get along with each other. Live at peace. Serve each other. Take the low road. But why does he say these things? He's going to share the gospel now. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That'll preach. That's the good news right there. And, and Paul is telling the church, look at the good news. Jesus came into our world not as a conquering, you know, tyrant who's saying, bow down, worship me. He came as a servant. He washed feet. He broke bread with us. He ate with the wrong crowd. He got a bad reputation. He took the low road. Not only did he take the low road, but he was obedient even to death, death on a cross, the worst kind of death you could experience in the history of the world. And he's been raised by the Father. That at the name of Jesus, everyone is going to bow their knee and confess that he's Lord. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And Paul is saying, in light of this good news, you do the same thing that he did. <laughs> oh, nah, I don't know about that, man. <laughs> you know, I, I've been in charismatic churches and I've... I've, I've I'm blessed by my background. And in charismatic churches, oftentimes we focus on the power gifts. And I believe in power gifts, like healing and, and seeing people set free. I believe in that. But this is power right here, too. <laughs> Laying down your life for other people, taking the, low route, taking the low road, loving people, even enemies, seeking peace. Walking in humility, hello, that's powerful, especially in our modern world. And Paul says, we do this. Why do we do this? Because it's the good news. And we are people who are under this King Jesus. And we can begin living out the reality of his kingdom right now. We don't have to wait till the sweet by and by. So to reduce the gospel to just, hey, man, it's just, you know, pray this prayer so you can go to heaven when you die. That's not the good news. Good news is right now you can experience the life of the king. You can be a part of his plan to put it all back together. Right now, he will work in and through you. I don't think y'all hear me. So how can we respond this morning? <laughs> can I get an IE? How can we respond this morning? I, I want to respond by... Worshiping the Lord together one more time. So I'd like to invite the band up here. And we're just going to celebrate our resurrected king. Yeah, why don't you all stand up?